keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. It's the feast of blessed Charles of Flanders, who lived from 1083 to 1127, the son of Canute, king of Denmark. His father was murdered when Charles was only five years old. He and his mother fled to the court of her father, the Count of Flanders, in Bruges, where Charles was, where Charles grew up and eventually became a knight. After accompanying his uncle on the Second Crusade, Charles received the the county of Flanders from his cousin Baldwin. He was known for his love of justice and his strong Catholic faith. Every day after dinner, he met with three theologians who would explain two or three chapters of Scripture to him. He forbade blasphemy or taking God's name in vain, and the punishment for such offenses was a loss of a hand or a foot. He was a champion of the poor and the oppressed, which made him enemies among the profiteers, who sought to exploit the people. His reputation for justice and goodness was so great that he was offered the imperial throne as well as the throne of Jerusalem, but he declined both offers in order to continue taking care of his people in Flanders. He was assassinated in 1127 while at Mass in the Church of St. Donatian, and he was attacked and beheaded while praying before the altar of Our Lady. Blessed Charles of Flanders, pray for us. That's a pretty awesome story right there. And imagine pun- that kind of punishment today for blasphemy. It would be Ooh. better that you enter into the kingdom maimed. Yeah. And to blaspheme against our Lord. You know, it, it reminded me, uh, it's kind of funny because you know what, what he was known as at that time. He was known as the uh, a Charles the Good. Nice. And people would think, <laughs> Charles the Good? He was cutting people's hands off for, for saying, oh my G. <laughs> He's cutting people's hands off for, for just, all he did was blaspheme. By the way, it's Bruges. Is it Bruges? Bruges. In Bruges. Oh, yeah. there you go, folks. What language is that? I guess Finnish, Flanderish. I don't know. What do they speak there? Din- <laughs> Flemish. Din- Denmarkish. Denmarkish. They speak I don't know. Flemish. They speak in Flemish. Flemish. Okay. There you go. So that must be what that originates from. But good morning to you. How was your Ember Wednesday? Did you survive it? If not, don't worry. We have two more days for Ember. We have two more opportunities to pray for God's grace today. It's an opportunity this coming Friday and Saturday, which, I, you know what, I forgot. I forgot the fact that this coming Wednesday and Friday, we are actually uh, going to be having our the, uh, the first Friday and first Saturday. Nice. It's true. I'm like, this is really exciting. So make sure you make it to Mass this first Friday and this first Saturday. I think it'll be a great opportunity to be able to be uh, exercising some grace that's so necessary in the world today. Let's see. Also coming up in the 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about a new tax break for big families. A very interesting story about calcium supplements as well. I think that's a, uh, I was kind of surprised by that and a little shocked by what I learned and then at 30 past the hour, Dr. Jose Tresenkos with the Children of God for Life will be joining us to discuss the fallout from the Ohio chemical spill. And in the next hour, we're going to be playing our game show, Fear and Trembling. A pro tip, you can actually go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, 
and you will be able to uh, get our contact information, our phone number, and write that down so you can be our contestant this morning. But uh, were y'all able to? Uh, would y'all be able to for succeed on Ember Wednesday, Rudy Tito? Yes, uh, made it to Mast last night. <clears throat> it was it was nice. It, they didn't acknowledge it. I went to a Nova Sordo, but uh, we went to Mass and uh, celebrated Ember Wednesday. Uh, didn't, didn't make it to uh, to Our Lady Walsingham. No, no, too early for us. Too early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the Ember Wednesday has come and gone, and uh, if you were able to fast and do abstinence, that's a successful day. Uh, if not, Friday is your second opportunity. So tomorrow is Ember Friday, so you can. Uh, and first Friday, so make sure you can make it to Mass. Plan that ahead of time. Say, all right, I'll be able to make it to Mass. And if you can't, many, many churches for first Friday have evening Masses. So look out. Try looking around. Contact some parishes. See which churches have first Friday Masses and first Saturday Masses. And see if you can make it over there. It'd be a great opportunity to make reparation for sins and outrages against the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. All right, so... Before we jump into prayer, real quickly, there's going to be a little bit of news. Today and for the rest of March, so March is dedicated to who? It's dedicated to St. Joseph. And so I decided that instead of doing the Memorare for the month of March, let's do a prayer dedicated to St. Joseph. And maybe that'll become a, a theme here. We'll, we'll do a different prayer every month so we can all start learning more and new prayers, and hopefully by the end of the month we'll have it memorized. Uh, but that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to pray the Virgo Pater. Uh, pray with us, and uh, we'll be praying for your intentions, for whatever it is that you have going on today. We'll be praying for your work. We'll be praying that you have a blessed day today. We'll be praying for your friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that you have promised to pray for. And uh, we'll be starting prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Joseph, Virgin Father of Jesus, most pure spouse of the Virgin Mary, pray for us daily to the Son of God, that armed with the weapons of His grace we may fight as we ought in life and be crowned by Him in death. Behold the faithful and prudent servant whom the Lord set over His house. Pray for us, O Holy Joseph, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Today is Thursday, March 2nd, and these are your headlines for today. Caroline Silva at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reports a deadly shooting at the Atlanta Catholic Campus Ministry. Authorities were called to the Lighthouse Catholic Center at, at AUC at about 1.40 and found 20-year-old Jaitan Sterling shot to death. Clark Atlanta officials said Sterling was a sophomore from Chicago and a member of the baseball team. No details were released on a suspect. The AU Center is made up of four historically black colleges and universities in the city, Clark Atlanta, Morehouse, and uh, Spelman. Catholic World News reports an English politician sees the TLM restrictions as, quote, appallingly mean-spirited, end quote. Jacob Rees-Mogg, a member of parliament who recently served... Jacob Rees-Mogg came into the American radar when he announced the name of his newly born sixth child as Sixtus. Rees-Mogg is unusual in Parliament for his deeply held traditional Catholic views on everything. 
Hannah Brockhaus at Catholic News Agency reports Pope Francis sent a message Wednesday saying he was praying for the victims of a train ca- crash in northern Greece. Authorities say at least 36 people perished and more than 75 were hospitalized after two trains collided. Peter Pinedo at Catholic News reports West Virginia passes Religious Freedom Restoration Act. The bill guarantees West Virginians freedom from any state interference that may substantially burn. That seeks will find, that knocks will have the door open to him. If any one of yourselves is asked by his son for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asked for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead? Why then, if you, evil as you are, know well enough how to give your children what is good for them, is not your Father in heaven much more ready to give wholesome gifts to those who ask him? Do to other men all that you would have them do to you. That is the law and the prophets, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, a number of things here. One thing that I think is very interesting is our Lord here says, if he asked for a fish, would he give him a serpent instead? If a son asked for bread, will he give him a stone? You know, it just makes me think of the situation in the church today. Whenever we ask for good things like a holy and reverent liturgy, we're handed a stone. could come in here and, and you might say something along the lines of, oh, well, that means that anything that I ask, seek, and knock will be given to me. But St. Augustine makes clear that he's referring specifically to the things that are of benefit to you and of benefit to you most notably, the things that are benefit to you, to your salvation. So the strength and being able to fulfill the commandments of God, seeking to find the truth and knocking that heaven may be open unto us. To this, we may add the words of St. Chrysostom. Ask, he says, in supplication, praying night and day. You notice our Lord tells us that we should pray without ceasing. Seek by zeal and labors, and for heaven is not given to the slothful. Knock in prayers and fasting and almsgiving, for he who knocks at a door knocks with his hand. Again, these three words denote increasing earnestness in prayer. When anything is asked for, it is first spoken for. By and by, if no answer be given, we cry out. If calling out do not suffice, 
We seek for some other means of gaining attention. We apply our mouth to some chink in the door by which our voices may be made to reach the master of the house. If that too fails, we beat at the door until we gain a hearing. Hence, Remigius thus expounds, we ask by praying, we seek by living well, we knock by persevering, others ask by faith, seek by hope, and knock by charity. Lastly, Climacus asks, says, ask by striving, seek by obedience, and knock by long-suffering. This is very interesting. Then they're all saying the same thing in different ways. That whenever we pray, there has to, it can't simply be a asking. It can't simply be saying, hey, God, do this for me. Instead, it has to be combined with faith, hope, and charity. It has to be combined with striving, obedience, and long-suffering has to be combined with earnestness, with zeal. All these things have to be said together. Mystically, St. Bernard says, Seek by reading, and ye shall find in meditation. Knock in prayer, and it shall be open to you in contemplation. For reading offers solid food to the mouth. Meditation mastates it. Reason gives it flavor. And contemplation is the very sweetness itself which pleases and refreshes. He then defines these four processes. Meditation is a studious action of the mind, which under the guidance of right reason, searches out the knowledge of hidden truth. Contemplation is the elevation of a mind depending upon God and tasting the joys of eternal sweetness. Reading searches, meditation finds, contemplation feeds, and prayer asks. Let's meditate upon that today. Let's think about that today. Let's keep that at the forefront of our mind Let's learn to meditate. How do we meditate? Well, St. Bernard is giving us the means and the strategy to tackle this thing. Because we kind of have this modern notion of meditation, what's wrapped up in the New Age, is wrapped up in, the, in yoga and all these other things. But there is a Christian meditation, which is not divorced from our reason. Instead, St. Bernard is telling us, take up and read, tole lege, take and read, pick up a, a good spiritual reading. Whether it be something from St. Augustine, St. Thomas, St. Vincent Ferrer, or your favorite saint, pick up that book, read it, and then spend some time thinking about what was what you just read. What is that? What is that author? What is that saint trying to lead you to? Meditate upon that and then pray. And then pray and ask God and the saints that you're speaking with to enlighten you and to bring you closer to our Heavenly Father. We'll be right back with more from Catholic Drive Time. Some very interesting stories coming out. We'll be right back. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're not Catholic friend. The book of Esther does not mention the words God, Lord, sin, Savior, salvation, heaven, or hell. Are you sure it's supposed to be in the Bible? Martin Luther said no. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. Those early church fathers, popes, bishops, synods, and councils were all under the influence of the Holy Spirit as they discerned which writing should or should not be in the Bible, and Esther was included. Secondly, for a writing to be understood as divinely inspired and worthy of canonicity, it was not a necessity to contain any theological explanations. And thirdly, a tough comeback. Oftentimes we deceive ourselves by wanting to trust that very contemporary and subjective term called the inner witness. Our own arrogance can blind us. The feeling of, quote, an inner witness is as dangerous as standing at the edge of a windy, jagged cliff. So on a religious feeling, don't just immediately buy into passionate testimonies, new truths, or prophetic texts. That four-letter word, feel, will get you every time. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And there are a lot of stories in the news that were very concerning. But there was one story that I saw in the news this morning that was not concerning at all. In fact, it was really good news. I was really happily surprised. And I wanted to share this with you. This is great, especially for for us Texans. A Whataburger has nation's healthiest cheeseburger, according to study. Uh, don't fact check. I don't want to. I don't want to know if, how the study worked. Uh, they said here it looks like Texas's favorite Whataburger is about to be the nation's favorite after a study named it the healthiest fast food chain cheeseburger, ranking over In and Out, which was number two. Hmm. In and Out didn't make it to number one. But here's the question: the question is, uh, what was what was the last one on the list? Anyone want to make a guess, Rudy? Burger King. Burger King? No, no, no. Actually, the worst one is Jack in the Box. Okay. Okay, Tito, what do you think? Worst cheeseburger. Worst cheeseburger? My goodness. Where do I start? Uh, ooh. Any of them. Any of them. Okay. <laughs> oh, McDonald's. Okay, McDonald's. Goodness gracious. Thank okay. you. Okay. Well, uh, you were right at first, Rudy. It was, in fact, Burger King. No. Yeah. Really? It's Burger King. Burger King the is the most one. unhealthy cheeseburger. So the question for that I'm asking myself is, after the show, should I go and get a Whataburger cheeseburger because it's the healthiest one? Or should I go get a Burger King one because it's probably the tastiest one? I mean, unhealthiest <laughs> one. Um, that's that's my, my little dilemma at the moment. Maybe you should go do a taste test. Grab one from In-N-Out and then go taste Whataburger and decide for yourself. This is so true. I'm going to get one from every single one on the list, and I'm going to eat all of them <laughs> in order just for science. For science. <laughs> What Adrian passes out. Yes. Uh, so let's let's move on from that. That was uh, very important. Um, this I have, for some reason have this listed. Blake Shelton talks about his decision to leave The Voice. I don't know why I wrote that down. I don't. I don't actually care. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, uh, taking calcium supplements causes brain lesions and the manufacturing of bone diseases. The story of osteoporosis and osteopenia um this is very interesting this was reported by the epic times and i saw this story this morning and i was very concerned because well here's two things one is that supplement culture is absolutely massive in america i mean it's uh, chances are you're taking supplements you take vitamins and minerals of some kind whether it's a one one multivitamin or something like that but almost everyone takes vitamins and multivitamins and minerals of some kind uh, to some degree, some more than others. And uh, I was taking uh, calcium supplements for a little while. 
And so I saw this and it kind of piqued my interest. So I read it and I was kind of sad about it because I'm like, oh my goodness, this is very concerning. So here's the summary. A recent study published in the British Journal of Nutrition reports that calcium supplements, even at low doses, are linked to brain lesions. The study found that participants who took calcium supplements had greater lesion volumes than those who did not. The influence of calcium supplements on lesion volume was of a magnitude similar to that of hypertension, a well-established risk factor for lesions. The study was the first of its kind to investigate the possibility of a link between calcium supplements and brain lesions in older adults. I was kind of surprised by that. I don't really have much commentary because I don't really understand. It was giving me all these science mumbo-jumbo that I don't understand. And I was just thinking, okay, well, that's very concerning. And I was thinking to myself, okay, well, why is the first study of its kind linking these two things? Why did they decide to do that study anyway? And then I came across this story, which is also very concerning. And if you're a a lady uh, that has are of an older vintage, let's say, uh, this is very important. And I know a couple people in this situation where they have basically experienced this firsthand. Uh, The WHO, the World Health Organization, arbitrarily created the definitions of osteopenia and osteoporosis in the early 1990s, which were projected onto millions of women worldwide, convincing them that they had a disease that could be treated with drugs, even though they had no symptoms. The WHO's definition violated both common sense and fundamental biological science, and the redefinition of bone density loss during aging as a disease was a highly illogical and absurd notion. The WHO's definitions have generated billions of dollars in revenue from for DXA device manufacturers, doctor visits, and drug prescriptions around the world. Osteopenia, which is a statistical deviation from an arbitrary numerical value, was just a tool to indicate the emergence of a problem and to not have any particular diagnostic or therapeutic significance the natural thinning of bones is normal, and the aging process should not be defined as a disease in need of medical intervention. So I was kind of blown away by that, and this is just kind of a summary of the of the article. And the, somewhere else in the article, it was talking about how the symptoms that when they try to treat this natural thinning of the bones to for women, especially whenever they they associate it with menopause as well. They're saying that this has caused worse and graver problems, has linked to uh, cancer in the breast. Breast cancer has been linked to a bunch of other things that I was absolutely shocked about. And it came up because they're talking about this uh, with calcium. And so I was um, very surprised by this because apparently many women who are told about this and told they have, what to do, they have to go through this, they are like, okay, well, I don't want to take the drugs. I don't want to take the, go through these medical procedures. I don't want to do all these things. So I'll take a calcium supplement, which is how we got the other story. So all these things, I'm, I'm just like, oh, wow. I don't know the answer to, this, to, uh, to these situations. All I know is that we need to be very conscious about what we put in our body. We need to be healthier, uh, which is why I'll be eating at Whataburger from now on. So I think good uh, as a rule of thumb, I wouldn't take anything from the World Health Organization at word value. They <laughs> yeah. have categorically and absolutely denied that the virus, the Chinese virus ever came from Wuhan. That yeah. was two years ago. Now they're coming out with this? Mm. Yeah, they're all, the, anything that says world in it, I typically <laughs> am just skeptical of. Anything global, globalist related, I'm, uh, I'm against. But uh, the, here's a very positive story. And it's not about hamburgers, don't worry. 
This is actually about Texas. So if you have 10 kids in Texas, which speaking to Catholics, I'm sure you know many people with that many kids. In fact, I have um, three friends off the top of my head who are in families of 12. So there's very possible you might know someone or you yourself are in a family of having 10 or more kids. You could have be paying zero property tax in Texas soon. Very interesting. Very interesting. A Texas lawmaker introduced a bill on Tuesday to give tax breaks to healthy families with multiple children. This is from an article published by the Daily Wire. Republican Texas State Representative Brian Slayton introduced House Bill 2889 on Tuesday. The bill would give property tax deductions to married families with four or more children. If a family has 10 or more children, they would pay no property taxes under the law. It would help incentivize Texans to get married, stay married, and raise large and healthy families. Now, here's the part that I think is the most brilliant part of this article, of this bill, and I hope it passes. So if you wanted to help it pass, contact your legislators and try to get this in every state. This would be great if we get this in every state, because listen to this. Because at first, I was a little skeptical. I was like, okay, this could be bad. Why could this be bad? Because it can incentivize unwed mothers to just start having as many kids as possible. Because if you get a check from the uh, government every time you have a kid, this is how we ended up having the situation where this is uh, people are living off of the welfare checks from how many kids they have. This is, not, this is disordered and not good. So this is actually a good and ordered version of that. So he goes on and says, in order to qualify for the tax break, the child must be the son or daughter of two married parents. You don't get the tax break if you're not married. Born after the parents are married, it encourages only having kids within wedlock. If the child is adopted, he or she must be adopted after the parents are married. This prevents adoption from single parents. It's better for the child to be adopted by married people. A qualifying child can also be the stepchild of one of the parents, but only if the other parent is a widow or widower. Think that's amazing. That's amazing. It's promoting, uh, it's discouraging divorce. It's amazing. Also, in order to qualify, the couple must be legally married and never have been divorced. That's, I, I, I'm blown away that a bill like this would even be proposed. Uh, please, God, let this pass. Uh, cu- couples must provide documentation of both their marriage and birth or adoption certificates in order to claim the credit. According to the bill, a qualifying couple is eligible for a 10% tax deduction in the property taxes. So just by being married and having a kid, you automatically get 10% tax deduction in your property tax. For couples with four children, you receive a 40% property tax deduction, five with 50%, 6, 60%, 7%, 70%, 8%, 80%, 9%, 90%. Couples with 10 or more get a 100% tax deduction on property tax. That's amazing. I love it. That's amazing. The qualifying couples is able to claim the tax credit regardless of whether or not the qualifying child resides in the same home as his or her parents or whether the child dies. If one spouse of a qualifying couple dies, the widow or widower is entitled to the credit so long as he or she remains unmarried. Supporting Texas means supporting Texas families, Slayton said in a statement posted to Twitter Tuesday. Strong families are the backbone and building blocks of society. 
We must support families by making it financially easier for them to have and raise children in a supportive and nurturing way. With this bill, Texas will start to, to saying to couples, get married, stay married, and be fruitful and multiply. Wow. I want to know, is is Brian Slayton, is he Catholic? Is he a Mormon? What, this, where, did this, uh, where did this idea come from? Because this is a blessing. This is a right out of Genesis kind of law right here. And especially with the huge rates of birth decline, we need this now more than ever. I yes. think it's very important. Yes, I, I, I agree that we're heading into a demographic, demographic winter, the entire world. The U.S. Uh, is in a similar situation. The only thing preventing us from losing population is that everybody wants to come to our great country. And so the immigration makes up for that. But that soon will also decline because of every, everywhere else, people are not producing children. We need to have children. How are we going to pay for anything if we don't have children to take care of their grandparents or parents when, when we grow up? <clears throat> it is important to understand the building block of civilization is the family, and we can see how that is being attacked thoroughly from the outside. Yep, yeah, very awesome. And, you know, I just, I don't think, I dislike property taxes in general, so I think we should just get rid of property tax universally. Amen. But if we're going to do this, I think this might be better because then it would just incentivize people to get married, have kids, and I think that would be such a blessing. Um, also, also, I think that uh, this is something that should be proposed in every state. So if you could just, if you contact your legislator, contact your senator, your congressman, and try to get this put through in Texas, for sure, where this is already being put in place. But if you're in, I don't know, Alabama, if you're in Florida, if you're in Washington, D.C., if you're in New Mexico, contact your legislators. Let's get bills like this put all over the place. It would be such a grace. So... Today, let me encourage you, pray that this passes. We are going to really want to try to encourage families. That's, that's the play. Encourage families. Maybe it'll also discourage abortions. That's one argument people make. Oh, we got to abort our kids. They're too much money. Well, actually, that may be helpful. All right, we'll be right back with Dr. Jose Tresenko's talking about the Ohio chemical spill. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend, and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friends tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institutions, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. 
you want to grow closer to God in prayer, overcome temptation, become a better Catholic, grow in holiness in your state in life, and just want to be a happier person? Hi, this is Father Sam Medley from the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, host of a weekly program, A Life Lived Joyfully, brought to you by the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays as we dive into the Catholic Daily Mass readings as the basis for this call to holiness, 3 p.m. Central and 4 p.m. Eastern. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Thursday, March 2nd, and these are your headlines for today. Brendan Hodge at the Pillar reports what U.S. dioceses might face merger plans. The list includes eight U.S. dioceses that have fewer than 40,000 Catholics. Fairbanks, Alaska, Rapid City, South Dakota, Baker, Oregon, Steubenville, Ohio, Alexandria, Louisiana, Crookston, Minnesota, Great Falls, Billings, Montana, and Salina, Kansas. In 2020, Pope Francis merged the Archdiocese of Anchorage and the Diocese of Juneau. Last fall, the U.S. bishops tabled the proposal to merge the Diocese of Columbus and Steubenville. Quintin Amundsen at OSV News reports in Canada, opposition mounts to medical assistance in dying expansion, otherwise known as euthanasia. Among the 1,800 Canadians surveyed, only 31 percent support euthanasia for those with a mental illness. 51% of the participants opposed the notion and 18% responded, not sure, can't say. Terence P. Jeffrey at CNS News reports Catholic school teachers work more, get paid less, produce better results than the public school teachers. A 2022 National Assessment of Educational Progress reading test for fourth graders public school students had an average score of 216, while Catholic school students had an average score of 233. And Laura Loker at The Pillar reports St. Mary's Parish in Blacksburg, Virginia is making a Eucharistic adoration accessible for even its youngest parishioners. The parish hosts a monthly half-hour of adoration specifically for families of young children, after which the families spend time together on a local playground. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. You know, before we jump into our interview, I just saw this this headline from Loudwire, which I believe they're a they're a new they're a news site for like music or something like that for like modern music, and they they were making fun of um of Alex Jones, saying Alex Jones claims artists require to pledge to Lucifer upon signing record deals and i was like well, isn't that isn't that already true everyone doesn't isn't that just a fact and then i thought that was hilarious because it came to my, it was a reason it was an attention to me because um steve stevens who is a a grammy award-winning composer guitarist and he's done uh, a bunch of other things he's made the top gun theme and other things like that he's <laughs> he put out commenting on it surprised that this is news i thought it was common knowledge <laughs> so I was like, I can't tell if he's joking or if he's ad- actually admitting that, yeah, we are all Satan worshipers. Um, but there you go, folks. Anyway, uh, joining us right now is Dr. Jose Trisenkos, like that transition there, uh, CEO of Children of God for Life. Jose is a seasoned business executive with experience in leadership, R&D operations, product management and finance. He also holds advanced degrees in mathematics, applied analytical methods and political science and is credentialed in two operational quality disciplines. Uh, thank you for joining us, Dr. Jose Trisenkos. Good morning. Thank you for having me. 
Yes, absolutely. Thank you for being on with us. Uh, you know, the, the situation in Ohio is incredibly concerning, and I had just been absolutely just caught up in the whole situation there because my heart just bleeds for the people over there who are being set aside as second-class citizens. They are being treated so poorly, and we still don't really know what the effects are after it's been a, it's been a month since this has happened, and we still really don't really know what these effects of these chemicals are have for on these people. Uh, could you tell us what chemicals were released, and then uh, let's go through these and see what potential symptoms could occur because of them? Well, um, you know, I, I think principally the chemical the chemical that was being transported on the train, uh, the one of concern is called vinyl chloride. It's used in the manufacture of polyvinyl chloride, PVC, uh, that white plastic pipe that we see at Lowe's or Home Depot. Um, and it's a very commonly used, it's a very commonly used chem- uh, chemical. P- um, vinyl chloride by itself uh, is toxic. Um, uh, it also, when, it, when it's released into the atmosphere, its natural state is gaseous. Uh, and, it's re- and when it's released into the atmosphere, it starts reacting with just about everything that it touches, including water, oxygen, nitrogen, a number of other things. Um, and the byproducts of those reactions are also concerning. Um, uh, one, of the, um, one of the byproducts, uh, is, interestingly enough, and concerningly, uh, and very concerningly, is a gas called phosgene. Phosgene um uh, uh the chemical formula cocl2 um was used as a um chemical weapon during the first world war it's heavier than air uh so it's a nap of the earth or, sort of um uh, weapon and when when this sort of, uh when phosgene is produced by the burning of vinyl chloride which is what they did uh to kind of contain the leak um uh, the phosgene gas tends to um, hug the surface of the earth, um, unfortunately, and that's, you know, that's kind of where people breathe. Um, what can happen as a result of a lot of the uh, chemical byproducts and exposure to vinyl chloride itself, um, the the immediate reactions are what we're seeing a lot in the news. A lot of people are complaining about um, rashes on their skin, irritation, headache, sore throat, um, uh, you know, a lot of symptoms that, that resemble a really bad cold, uh, there's, there's a significant irritation caused in the respiratory system. And those are, those are right, uh, right along the lines of um, phosgene gas, exposure to vinyl chloride, a number of other elements. So um, we're seeing the front end of the impacts on the community. Uh, we have yet to see the long-term effects, and some of these chemicals, unfortunately, long-term, long-term exposure, even in relatively small amounts, result in liver damage. Hi, Dr. Trisankos. This is Tito. I have a, a question regarding what precautions, outside of having to leave the area, can people take, and how long can something like that be cleaned up and make it safe for people to return or to continue working, uh, if you don't mind? Well, from from what I gathered so far, uh, and you know, I, I I chase numbers. I'm not a chemist. That's my wife's job. Um, 
but uh, it, most of these compounds are highly volatile. What that you know, what that means is what that means is they you know, they turn from a liquid state to a gaseous state very quickly, and they react with other things. Um, on one hand, that's not so good because some of the products of those reactions are are are, are dangerous. Um, but the rate at which these compounds react, uh, you, you know, says that. Uh, the the time window for concern is relatively brief. Um, you know, it's not like uh, it's not like a Chernobyl or a Three Mile Island where you have long term consequences of an of an event. Um, uh, you know, nature here is is probably the best is is probably the best cleanup because most of these compounds um, uh, react very quickly and turn into something else. Um, but the exposure can create some chronic problems, um, uh, and also down the road, it can create some uh, some damage that will emerge later. So yeah. vinyl chloride, um, vinyl chloride uh, will go from liquid state. It's transported in liquid state. Uh, it can go from liquid state to gaseous state very, very quickly. And as soon as it does that, it starts looking for things to react with. So it, uh, you know, nature kind of takes care of the cleanup very quickly. And so does that mean that the um, that all these these problems we're seeing, because you were saying that the, the chemical itself goes away pretty quickly, but what about the symptoms that the chemicals cause? Uh, those can be persistent. A lot depends on, on, on the person. I've seen, um, I've seen a number of photographs of, of uh, children and young adults online that have developed serious um, uh, skin rashes, uh, and uh, you know that 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 that's part of what happens with exposure to vinyl chloride. Um, uh, also, one of the byproducts is hydrogen chloride. Hydrogen chloride um, uh, in a gaseous state starts reacting with water in the atmosphere, water vapor in the atmosphere, and it creates uh, and it results in hydrochloric acid. Uh, this sort of thing can actually enter the water supply, the groundwater supply, and the effects there. You can um, you can imagine that sort of thing is probably not um, it's probably not good for anyone or anything in a long term basis. Those sorts of things take a lot longer to just kind of work their way through the system. Hydro can be more persistent. Hydrochloric acid. That's basically like. Acid, right? What we think of as as something like that is uh, what we think of like stereotypical acid, right? Yes, um, uh, that was one of the concerns many years ago. When acid rain was kind of the climate, it was kind of, was one of the great climate concerns. Um, uh, hydrochloric acid, uh, uh, you know, it, it can be produced in the atmosphere very uh, very easily. Uh, and it's a byproduct of a lot of um, uh, of a lot of other processes, combustion among them. Um, and the um, the concentrations of environmental hydrochloric acid that people were concerned about many, many years ago, uh, producing acid rain, were much lower than the concentrations that we're seeing in the East Palestine situation. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, let's... The, the truth lies somewhere probably in you know somewhere in in you know in the middle of those extremes but you know this is not the sort of thing that you want uh that you want lying around outside right not. for sure well let's let's take a break and when we get back i want to ask about the questions of the 
livestock and the plant life and the farming and all those questions because I've seen some pretty scary things. So we'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What's the primary reason you chose your present church? Doctrinal positions, your family's church, the pastor, church friendliness, dynamic youth ministry? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, statistics. A survey showed that 87% of those who attend a non-Catholic church choose their church because of the senior pastor's sermons. Secondly, the reason for Catholics, this comes from Canon Law 518, which says, as a general rule, a parish is to be one which includes all the Christian faithful of a certain territory. And thirdly, my response, the average span of a mature Christian staying at a non-denominational church is between 18 and 24 months. Why such a short time? You know the reason. They came because we love the pastor and his sermons. He's so relatable and so current. Whoops, now they're tired of relatable and current, so just go down the street. They found some new relatable and current. Oh, the alluring draw of charisma. Fortunately, at a Catholic church, the sermon is not the central moment. Do you know what is the central moment? Body and blood. It was somewhat of an accident, and I have a lot of windshield time driving for work, and usually I'm listening to my gospel music, and so I wanted to find something else different, and so I started scrolling. I found Guadalupe Radio. I started listening to it on a regular basis, and what I realized, had I found this station years ago, my conversion would have probably happened years ago. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and we're talking with Dr. Jose Trasenko, CEO of Children of God for Life, about the Ohio chemical spill. Pretty concerning. We were talking uh, about the vinyl chloride and some of the effects there, but I also wanted to mention real quickly, I saw this article out by CBS mentioning the other chemicals that were there, the butyl acrylate, acrylate, a colorless liquid with a strong fruity odor that is often used to produce various plastics, polymers, coatings, and resins. Exposure to the chemical can cause irritation to the eyes and skin, rashes, and breathing difficulties, according to the CDC. Isobutylene, a colorless gas that is used to produce plastics, packaging materials, and resins. Exposures can cause symptoms such as dizziness and headache, but a cargo manifest provided to the Environmental Protection Agency indicates that the Norfolk Southern, the company that operated the train, saw, quote, no signs of breach with the car carrying this chemical. Ethanol glycol and ethylhexol acrylate is a colorless liquid that is commonly used to produce plastics and polymers and is a synthetic compound using inks, paints, hydraulic brake fluid, and antifreeze. Both can cause irritation to the skin, eyes, as well as sore throats and nausea with exposures at high concentrations. So that's very concerning. All these chemicals were present within there. The one that we are talking about and the most concerning that we know is as released in high dosages of vinyl chloride. That's Dr. Jose Trasenko's. Uh, what do you think about the effects in regards to the plant life, the animal life? And then we mentioned a little bit about the water. Uh, tell us about that. Well, um, one of the byproducts, and you know what happened right after this, uh, right after this accident, the uh, some of, some of the tank cars that were carrying vinyl chloride were breached, and they decided to ignite it. Um, and one of the products of that combustion is um, a compound called acrolein. Acrolein um, is something that's used to control plants, rodents, um, bacteria. Uh, you know, so uh, and you know. 
designed to control means it kills them. <laughs> so it's on its face, it's toxic. It's very mm-hmm. concerning that acrolein is being found in very high concentrations in the East Palestine area. Um, we're we're just coming into the growing season in Ohio. That's it. You know, I actually grew up in Northeast Ohio, so the weather's starting to improve there. Uh, in about a month's time, farmers are going to be planting. Um, uh, we will find out very quickly what kind of effect uh, acrolein will have on this because it um, it's a retardant to plant growth. Mm. Um, it's also uh, in in sufficient concentrations an irritant to human beings. Um, you know, this is one of these, um, this is one of these byproduct chemicals of the combustion of the vinyl chloride that's very concerning. Um, and, you know, we hear about the volatile organic compound, uh, volatile organic compounds, uh, the, the list which you mentioned, vinyl chloride, hydrogen chloride, all of these, um, all of these different chemicals, um, are, uh, basically toxic in sufficient con- uh, concentrations. Anything to do with the production of, um, uh, paints and plastics, uh, and, and those sorts of things, uh, concentration levels need to, need to be watched very carefully. Um, or, you, you know, some very serious negative health outcomes or result. Um, but, uh, the situation around acrolein and going into the growing season and acrolein can also, it's also soluble, soluble in water. It can enter the grounds, uh, it can enter the groundwater or the local water supply and have some effects down the road. So, you know, there's there's an awful lot to be concerned about with what happened in East Palestine. Um, you know, and it's interesting that in the weeks uh, in the weeks following this um, uh, this unfortunate um, accident, you didn't hear much of an alarm from the federal agencies. The state agencies very differently. They, they their their view of this was very different from the federal agencies. Um, but some of it, and this probably isn't entirely fair, but you get the sense that um, some folks are saying it's no big deal. Um, four weeks before this accident happened, um, the, um, the the CDC revised its toxicity thresholds associated with vinyl chloride, and it went in the wrong direction. Instead of um, uh, you know, instead of saying that this is increasingly a concern. Uh, the, the, the threshold for toxicity was actually elevated quite a bit. And this was, this was about four weeks in advance of, of, uh, of the accident. And, you know, the timing of it is at the very least interesting. Um, and I, I read through some of that material and I'm not yet through, uh, I'm, I'm not yet done with it, but, um, yeah, and I'm not quite sure what precipitated the reclassification or the adjustment of the toxicity levels um, of vinyl chloride. Um, yes. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so one thing that I thought was really concerning, which didn't get a lot of news, which I'm surprised about, especially here in Houston, because it said here, I saw this, uh, a reported by ABC actually out of, uh, I believe out of San Francisco, I saw the uh, report, which I'm surprised. I, I didn't see very much at all in Texas. Officials in Texas and Michigan are complaining they didn't receive any warning that contaminated water and soil from the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, would be shipped into their jurisdiction for disposal. About 2 million gallons of firefighting water from the train derailment site are expected to be disposed in Harris County, Texas. 
I am shocked by this that I didn't that this isn't being uh, wider known, and um, and this is, I find to be very concerning for us here in Texas. Well, I agree. I, you know, what's in that firefighting water is really kind of the question. Um, you know, I'd mentioned acrolein before. Acrolein, um, acrolein doesn't play very well with crops. Um, and, and again, it's, you know, it's used in rodent and bacterial control products. So it's, you know, its toxicity levels are high. If there's a significant amount of acrolein and what's being moved around, one would think that the local population has, um, has every right in the world to know that that's coming. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, I read, I read the red, uh, I read the same story and I, and I find that behavior very concerning, you know, and this from, this from the same government that says having a gas stove in your kitchen is like idling a car in the dining room. <laughs> uh, it, it, this, this stuff doesn't fit together. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And I think people kind of forget this is the, the kind of hypocrisy almost. I'm not even sure what to even call it that they the government will come after our gas stoves we were just making jokes about that not that long ago they will try to create esg scores they will try to ban gas uh power vehicles pushing electric vehicles all these things and green environmentalism is the number one idea yet they're just shipping around moving around putting chemicals everywhere uh, without any concern and i can understand people saying well Obviously, we didn't want to blow up this train and all these things happen. That's bad. But the response to it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, what do you think about it? Well, um, you know, I guess when, when, you start, uh, when you start looking at government behavior, even within the same agency, you find a lot of things that are very contradictory. And, that's, and it's been that way since, um, uh, since I was old enough to understand what I was reading. Um, but um, you know the concern for public safety. I think should um, I think it's lost in some of this when people start checking boxes and following and following procedures that have been approved by some other alphabet soup agency. Uh, oftentimes, at least it's my impression, oftentimes public safety just takes a second, uh, just takes a back seat to all of that, uh, that all of that sort of thing. And this chemical spill. Um, once that train came off the rails, and it, you know, I, I never knew that there were thousands of derailments every year uh, because trains are big, heavy things, and when when they just kind of leave the rails, bad things happen. Um, but um, once this derailment occurred and those tank cars were breached, the genie was out of the bottle, so to speak. Um, the, the decision to ignite those chemicals, I, you know, I think was. Um, it, now, that was that was done very quickly, and I'm not sure if due consideration was given to what the byproducts of that combustion would be, and what the effects of that would be on the local on the local population. And we've all seen pictures, or most of us, I think, have seen these pictures of that enormous black cloud mm -hmm. rising over that community. Um, and uh, you know, the the visceral reaction to that is that's not good. Yeah, my question uh, was simply when I saw that was did they genuinely believe and think that the burning the chemicals off was the best case scenario for saving and protecting the lives of the people and population around them? Or was it a legal decision done by the lawyers saying this is the best legal course of action to prevent us from getting sued 
or for getting uh, for getting us to uh, fall into some other legal problems. Uh, how is that decision made? Do we know anything about that? Um, no, I'm I'm not aware of um, I'm not aware of the process that they applied to actually reach that decision. But uh, you know, I had that same thought. Maybe maybe this was maybe that decision was made principally with liability in mind. Um, uh, the the um, uh, uh, the Department of Transportation seemed um, ineffective, right? Definitely in in, in dealing with this. And also the the situation with um, FEMA, I thought was very strange as well. Like, how is it, and why is it that FEMA did not respond immediately? It made me immediately question: What is the purpose of FEMA? Is FEMA only for natural disasters, or and it doesn't apply to things like this? Or how? What was? What could possibly be the explanation of why they would not provide aid immediately? Uh, that's a fine question. Uh, you know, it seems like FEMA is um, FEMA's reason for existence is this sort of thing, um, and uh, you know that that FEMA's response wasn't immediate and comprehensive. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's a shame that that you know it's actually more than a shame uh, that that the residents of East Palestine didn't get more attention from the federal government. Like I said, when something like this happens, oftentimes public safety gets pushed off to the side because people are too busy checking boxes or, or making sure that, um, you know, federal turf battles don't occur. Uh, and, you know, it, and it's possible, it, it actually might even be likely that, that the community of East Palestine is going to be suffering the effects of this for many, many years to come. A lot of the news stories, uh, a lot of the news stories, um, uh, focused on the residents, especially the kids. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people suffering with um, with significant skin irritation. They're having mm -hmm. difficulty breathing. They leave the area. They feel better. They come back because um, agencies have said you can go back home now. And as soon as they go back, the you know the symptoms emerge. Yeah, I've seen uh, all these the stories. These sort these sorts of bad. chemicals over time. Yeah, it's Will really damage the liver. It's very bad. It's a very bad situation. So let's pray for those people in East Palestine. And yeah, we'll definitely keep track of the story as it develops. But thank you, Dr. Jose Trusenko, for being on with us. You can find him at Children of God for Life. But we'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time. Ever feel like much. life's just too much? Maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace today, begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. I used to wonder if God really cared about me. Then I started praying and going to church. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out CatholicsComeHome.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive 
unlimited capability. Secondly, Heavenly Friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has an on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. So the neighbor who we've spoken to, you know, just in greeting, but who I don't believe has ever spoken back to us, out of the blue uh, surprised us. One day we were getting the kids in the car for Mass and asked us if we were going to Mass. I was dumbstruck for about probably 10 seconds. It was great that we were, had an opportunity to share about our parish and that we were Catholic. Turned out she was Catholic too, and she assumed we were because of the bumper sticker on our car. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Your connection to our treasured Catholic faith all day, every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Deborah Haney from the Catholic School's Office at the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Just hanging out, giving God the praise and glory that's due to Him this morning. Have you remembered to say your morning prayers this morning? I, I forget all the time. And then I just remember sometime throughout the day, and I'm like, oh, I forgot I'm going to do my morning prayers, and I just do my morning prayers at, like, noon. Uh, so I don't know if you can call them morning prayers anymore. Uh, but I always forget all the time. It's like the, it's so hard to wake up in the morning, and the first thing you think is, I need to give God some praise. It's so hard, especially when I wake up, and instead I'm thinking, oh, I just want to go back to bed. And so it's so difficult. I know what you're feeling. We just started... Uh, adding morning prayers to our lives, my wife and I, and I've, I've been forgetting all week. But fortunately, my wife uh, remembers when I forget, and, I, and it's been almost 10 days now, and today was finally I got into the rhythm and I remembered. So I, I'm not sure. You've probably been doing it since the age of reason. I'm not certain, but it's hard to start new habits. Yeah, it's difficult, but absolutely. It's, uh, it's definitely a habit to, to try to start. It's very beneficial. It's beneficial for your soul. It's beneficial for your family. But it's it's difficult because you got to remember. And I am really bad about that. It's uh, something that I struggle with, with trying to wake up. And, and the first thing you do is have your mind on God's glory. And I guess a good help for that is having holy images all over your room. All over your room. So when you turn to the left, you see it. Turn to the right, you see Our Lady there. You turn, you look up, and oh, there's Jesus on the ceiling, um, all over the place. Over my bed, I actually got the the chalk that we get for Epiphany. So it's Epiphany chalk, and I mark over my bed the holy name of Mary. So I put her name over my head, so she's over watching me while I sleep. And uh, it, I did it in order to try to see it when I wake up in the morning that I will be reminded. Sometimes I, it doesn't work because I wake up and, and don't look there. Instead, I just turn over and put the pillow over my face. Um, <laughs> it typically aids in not me in me not seeing things. You, you know, uh, 
where where you live at home, do you do you have predominantly uh, pictures and, and paintings of of holy figures, icons, and family portraits, or do you have modern art or southwestern Tex-Mex? Only have pictures uh, that are from comic books and uh, movie posters. That's it. That's all I have. Silver Surfer. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Iron Man. Uh huh. Yeah. She Hulk. One hundred percent. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't had. Um, when I was in, I want to say middle school, I had one poster on my wall that was of the the Avengers, and that's the only time I ever had a anything like that on my wall. And the, the, with one other exception, when my sister was working at AMC Theater, she brought home a movie poster for a movie, and I felt bad because I really didn't care about the movie, and my sister was trying to be nice. And so, out of charity, and I hope she's not listening to this. Out of charity, <laughs> I hung the post. It was a Transformers poster of one of like the I think it was Age of Extinction or one of the old, one of the newer ones. And I was like, "Oh, thanks!" And I put it on my wall, even though I didn't really want to. What a guy! <laughs> you know, my first job was actually well, second job. My second job was uh, working at the theater as well. Nice. And you know, they had this um, they had this rule. So first off, they put you in the concession stand. That's the first thing you ever do. Ugh. And uh, you would go through <laughs> the whole menu and everything. I mean, the user interface was atrocious. So you'd have to, like, scroll through five different pages before you actually found the thing that they wanted, like maybe popcorn or something. And uh, they expected you to do your turnovers for each customer uh, for one minute each customer. Holy so. moly. <laughs> That was back it takes in the me about day. a minute to decide what I want. Yeah, exactly. So, what? AMC, good good place. What good benefits place to work. did you get? Did you get <laughs> discounts on movie tickets or free movie tickets? Uh, you would get free movie tickets. Oh, yes. You would get free popcorn and discounts and at the concession stand. So nice. by the time you got the discount there, it would be like normal price. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> for what, exactly. Whatever the, the the item was. It's like ten dollars for a box of popcorn. But if you work here, we'll give it to you for. Eight, <laughs> still, still too expensive. Uh, no, but that, yeah, my sister used to do that, and she did that for a little while. But yeah, I was not into that. I always had tons of holy images uh, in my room. My right now, I have this ginormous statue of Saint Michael in my room that my grandmother purchased for me for uh, my graduation as a graduation gift, and so it's this ginormous um, bronze resin uh, statue of Saint Michael. Very cool. It's like half my height, so it's pretty dope. I also have a, an image of Rembrandt Jesus hung up in my room. Um, the relic that Jesus Robles uh, gave to me as a gift. He gave me a, a relic of St. Thomas Aquinas that's in my room. Very nice. I pray to St. Thomas oftenly. Um, and I have a bunch of other ones as well. St. Vincent Ferrer was gifted by my friend um, Chris Strand. Saint. Yeah, I love Vincent Ferrer. I love him so much. But it was a gift from my friend Chris Tran. So I had tons of things. And so when I ask for gifts for, for different events, I always ask for like books, holy images, things like that. And so I have tons of them, and I love putting them up everywhere. It's great. It's a great opportunity. Yes, my, my wife and I have been uh, filling our home up with uh, sacred images. What we like to do is we get, there's an Italian mosaic of saints uh, for whatever particular saint you have. And so for the kitchen, we have the Holy Family right above the light switch. 
And then at nice. the entrance of our home, we had the picture of St. Michael to defend our home right above the light switch. So every light switch in the house has a holy icon. And uh, we kind of themed our home that way. Here's what Father Lassant says about uh, pictures in a home. He says, a room with good Catholic pictures in it and a room without such pictures differ as much as a room with windows and one without these necessities. Pictures, and I mean only good pure pictures, are consolers of loneliness and a relief to the mm. troubled mind. They are windows to the imprisoned heart, books, histories, sermons, which we can read without the trouble of turning over the leaves or straining the eyes. So we can uh, distinguish distinguish sermons uh, without actually reading by looking at holy images. They make up for the want of many other enjoyments to those whose life is mostly passed amid the smoke and din, the bustle and noise of a large city. Pictures of our Lord and his saints inspire us and give us courage and induce us to bear our cross with Christian resignation. That's uh, that was Father Lassance there from his prayer book, My Prayer Book. So true, so true. Yeah, Father Lassance is great. I highly recommend any of his works. He has tons of books. His stuff on uh, For Boys is really good. He also has a book on mm. For Girls. Yeah, um, I got that one for my daughter. Oh, so good. Awesome. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah, Father Lassance, anything he has, I highly recommend good it. Good stuff. It's all good. You can also go to our, see uh, My Prayer Book. I think it's open source, so you can go to archive.org and you can actually read it online. You yeah. just type in My Prayer Book Lassance. I think all of nice. his stuff is online for free. Yeah. I think so. So, yeah, definitely do that today. There's your, your call to action for the day, a free resource. Maybe I'll send it in, my, in the email list this Friday. I'll go find the link, and I'll send it to you if you want to be in on that, if you want to get a link to that Father Lassance PDF, um, let us know. Uh, how do you let us know? Just sign up for our email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Sign up for our email list, and I will send you the Father Lassance PDF uh, on via the email. And maybe I'll also include a link to where you can purchase it if you want a physical copy. I'll, I'll do both for you. So if you want to get that, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and sign up for our email list there. See, all this whole conversation was just a ginormous pitch for the email list. I, I like how things work out. And on top of that, I have noticed, Adrian, you have a cross hanging out of your pocket. So I, I'm just curious, what, what do you guys have in your pockets? I normally carry my rosary and recently holy water, but it was actually meant for my desk. So hmm. since we're all mobile uh, offices now, I, it, it's been resting in my pocket. So what you got there, Adrian? So I used to carry a flask, and then the flask was exercise salt. And now I misplaced it, and so I don't carry it around too much anymore. That's why I don't see you tossing that in your mouth anymore. Yeah, I used to carry it around with me everywhere I go. I misplaced it, and so at the moment, I don't carry that anymore. But I always have my rosary. I keep a, a pocket knife. I actually had a teacher in high school who is Mr. Green, Mr. Dan Green. He uh, told me... A man should always have a handkerchief, $20 in his wallet, and a pocket knife. So ever since then, I, and I added rosary to that list. So I always keep a rosary with me, $20 in my wallet, excellent, and a pocket knife. But I also became really into like just uh, everyday carry gear. And so I also carry <laughs> around a, a, a multi-tool. So I have this little multi-tool right here that I carry around. I, I love the clicking sounds of it. Um, that's why wearing a sport jacket really comes in handy. It really does. It really does. Yes. Cause they can carry more things in it. Exactly. I carry a notebook and pen. 
So I have my my notepad, and I have a pen that I carry around with it, so I can um, take notes whenever wherever I'm at. I keep headphones with me because I just I like listening to I listen to a tons a ridiculous amount of podcasts and a disordered amount of podcasts to be honest. Um, <laughs> disordered. I have my keys here. I'm not going to show my uh, the keys because then you can copy Maybe them. Copy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, How about that giant flashlight of yours? Yeah, I keep a flashlight on me and I keep a blade with me. I term like a, a box cutter, so I don't ruin my my. Pocket knife. A copy of the vampire movie Blade in your pocket? <laughs> Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> That's a horrible movie, it's by the way. Not, it's it. not good. <laughs> One, two, or three. <laughs> One yeah. too many. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, my phone. What about you guys? Do y'all, what's y'all's everyday carry? Well, for me, uh, let me... Not much as you, but... Uh, my, <laughs> my rosary, I carry a ridiculous amount of things. With my rosary case... Uh, my keys, my vitamins and supplements. Yeah, is it you calcium? Don't have calcium in there. <laughs> no calcium, and a wallet. And you know, I've I, for the longest time I wanted one of those uh, minimalist wallets, those metallic. And then I, I got convinced to return to a traditional wallet because you can carry. Granted, we don't carry that much uh, cash money anymore in this in this day and age. Besides the twenty bucks. But you can carry so many other things. I have a relic of St. Francis Xavier Silos. I have a card identifying me as a Catholic in case I... um, Ooh. Oh, yeah. I need to get one of those. That's something I don't have. I need to get one of those. I used to have a little coin that I would carry around. It says, I'm Catholic. Find a priest if there's something wrong. But, yeah, I need to get one of those. Yeah, I need that. I don't really carry anything with me. I'm, I guess I'm not a sentimentalist like that. Uh, I, I do carry my, my wallet, obviously, but uh, that's about it. Really? Yeah. You don't have anything on your keys either? Keys, wallet, cell phone? Oh, on my keys I have a little... Um, there you go. It's a little keychain. Oh, it counts. It's gone. Never mind. Oops. Yep. Nope. It's on my other, <laughs> it's on my other keys. It's, uh, it's this little, uh, little keychain of a caricature of... Uh, <laughs> Of uh, Saint John Bosco, a a a uh, funk pop of uh, John Bosco. It's basically like a little Catholic Funko Pop thing <laughs> keychain, which I, I make fun of Funko Pops all the time because <laughs> you know consumer culture. But it's kind of cute, ridiculous. But yeah, I I got it a long time ago. So yeah, the I forgive uh, myself, Tito. You know, I actually switched my wallet recently to this. So this is I a like this it. is a leather. I made mine. Really, you made yeah. yours? That's so cool. Oh, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I wish I could do that. I need to learn how to do leather work. I'll make you guys. Uh, somebody teach me how to do leather work. Somebody teach me how to do these kind of things. But no, shameless I, I just, plug. Mendoza leather work. Mendoza leather work. Hundred percent. Great guy. But yeah, he. This is a. Uh, I got it because I was looking for a leather binding for that I can put my field notes in. Because uh, I like to keep a, a a little notebook with me, but then I found this that was that doubled as a wallet, and so I was like, then I can do a twofer and I can uh, not carry a wallet and I have one less thing to carry. How so about a nice. doing that. passport-sized wallet? The special wallet, slightly bigger than what you have, but not that not that big. Yeah, that's a good idea. I I like be I like minimalism, but at the same time, I like a lot of thing gear. Like I like toys like knives and stuff like that You're so man. i'm always trying to balance between i'm trying to carry as little as possible but while also carrying all this junk <laughs> <laughs> all right um i'm glad that you guys hung around and chatted about everyday carry and random other stuff but now we have our game show so make sure you call in 
877-757-9424. That number to call, 877-757-9424. You can be our contestant. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time after this. Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and sorrowful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says... The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the lives of the saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling <laughs> the catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants it's a 50 50 chance and prizes are involved avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth call now to take your shot 877-757-9424 and 877-757-9424 that's the number to call to be part of our game show fear and trembling that number is 877-757-9424. I'm looking at the phone lines, and they are open. You are able to call in and be the contestant. If you call right now, you are guaranteed to be the contestant on the game show. That number, you're asking, 877-757-9424, and you could be our contestant. The game is very simple, very easy, very straightforward. Uh, it's you're going to get the answers right because I'm going to ask not you the question, but I'm going to ask Tito and I'm going to ask Rudy the question. And it's going to be their job to tell me who's right and who's wrong or your job to tell me who's right and who's wrong. And so that means there's a 50 50 chance. Even if you know nothing about the questions, you have a 50 50 chance to get the questions right. And they, that number to call is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Nine four two four. You can be our contestant. 
What's that number one more time, but slower? 877-757-9424. All right. How does the, how is the, what can we win at Tito? <clears throat> they can win a prize of 8x10 Holy Family print from Just Love Prints. Just Love Prints offers greeting cards, Catholic notepads, a Holy Family collection, and st- stickers galore. Designed in gorgeous styles and an authentic Catholic element at JustLoveprints.com. Again, JustLoveprints.com. Awesome. Praise be to God. And we just had the, the phones light up. So praise be Whoa. to God. Uh, if you called in and you are not uh, the contestant, well, make sure you call in tomorrow. There's still one more chance to be able to put in the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize uh, for this week. And if you don't get on tomorrow, well, make sure you keep this number. Save that number, the 877-757-9424. Write that number down. And if you if we draw your name um we will give you the prize on Friday. But if not, there's always next week. And you can call in and be part of the game show because we're always ready to have some people on. But uh, joining us right now is Alicia. Good morning to you. Good morning. Alicia, where are you calling from? From Pierce Falls. I'm sorry, where was that? Pierce Falls, Texas. Pierce Falls, Texas. Uh, yes. Awesome. Praise be to God. Where is that located? Is that near... Um, let me think. Is that it's, Dallas area? It's, uh, it's 50 miles south of San Antonio, like heading towards Laredo. Oh, okay. Uh, near. Okay, that's. I know exactly where that is. My family is actually, my extended family rather, is actually from far Texas, which is heading in that same general direction. Uh, but praise be to God. Uh, thanks for being on with us. Where are you headed this morning? To work. To work. Praise be to God. Have you? How is your link going? Good, good. Praise be to God. Have you been able to keep up with everything you're you're dedicated to this Lent? Yes. Awesome. Praise be to God. A successful Lent. I'm praying that you continue having a successful Lent. My, me and my mom were talking yesterday, and we were saying, "Oh man, this Lent feels like it's been going on forever, and it's has it's been only been one week." <laughs> but praise be to God, we're surviving it. Uh, alrighty, Alicia, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how to play? Awesome. Perfect. Well, we're going to jump into it. Uh, It's very simple. I'm going to ask Tito and Rudy these questions, and I'm sure that you're going to succeed. We'll start with Rudy. Rudy, are you ready? I am ready. Rudy, the question on the board. The fathers of the church were commonly divided into what two groups? Okay. The two groups are known as the Latins Mm -hmm. and the Geeks. Just kidding. Uh, The Greeks. Oh, the Greeks. Okay. (laughs) Uh, just kidding, my Eastern brothers. Latin and Greeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, the Latins my... were the jocks. The Greeks were the geeks. Right. Just totally. Ah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To- St. Basil. He doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean St. Basil. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, Rudy's going with the Latin and the Greeks. Uh, Tito, same question to you. The fathers of the church were commonly divided into what two groups? Fathers of the church were divided. Well, I go sometimes to a Spanish mass on Sunday morning, so I'd have to say logically English and Spanish. Oh, interesting. I didn't even know English and Spanish were languages back then, but I remember you learn something new every day. All right, Alicia, the question is the fathers of the church were commonly divided into what two groups? Rudy seems to think that the answer is the Latin and the Greeks, not geeks. 
And uh, Tito seems to think that is the, the English and the Spanish. What say you, Alicia? 15 seconds on the clock. I think I'm going to go with Tito. You're going to go with Tito? You think the fathers of church are English and Spanish? Are you sure? Oh, no, no. The, the Latin and the... Oh, Latin and the Greek. Rudy. You're going to go with Rudy. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Uh, praise be to God, Alicia. I knew you got that right. I knew it. I, it's okay. Sometimes I get Tito and Rudy confused as well. They look very similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like twins. They are like twins. They are like twins. I, I, I call them in. I, I look over at them and I'm like, oh, wait, which one is? Oh, oh yeah. He sits on the left. Okay. And that's how I kind of distinguish <laughs> them. Uh, but way to go, Alicia. Let's jump into the second question here. Tito, the question on the board. What term refers to a solemn declaration by the Pope that a person is now in heaven? I believe it's called the canonization process. Canonization is the word we're looking for. Canonization, you say? Yes, sir. Does that have to do with, like, shooting people with cannonballs? Uh, maybe in the olden days. No, and no, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, that actually means when they're uh, being processed and uh, elevated as uh, recognized as a saint in heaven oh, on earth. Okay, okay. So nothing to do with cannonballs. No, no, okay. no. Okay, just making sure. Uh, Rudy, same question to you. What term refers to a solemn declaration by the Pope that a person is now in heaven? It's called a pontifical smoke signal. Oh. Yeah, there's a really special. There's a very special. It's the same uh, chimney stack that they use to declare that there's a new pope. Habemum papum. Habemus? Habemus papum. So they use that also. They light a fire and they say, check it out. And they let out the smoke in little little oh. tears, right? And it's like a, it's like a, it's like like a Morse, Morse code. Oh, you know? okay. like I was thinking three of little puffs cake. of cloud. And then they, 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 they say the name of the person. So not like a tres leches. No. Okay. No. Okay. So more, more <laughs> like a, okay. I'm, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. Are you? I am. Okay. I am. Pontifical smoke signals your answer. Yes. All right. Well, Alicia, this is a very tricky question, I would say. Uh, Tito seems to think the question is, what term refers to a solemn declaration by the Pope that a person is now in heaven? Tito is of the opinion that the answer is canonizations, whereas Rudy says that it's pontifical smoke signal. This is a, a very tricky question. Uh, Alicia, what say you? I'm going to go with Tito. You're going to go with Tito. There you go. Praise nice. be to God, Alicia. You nailed so it. Very easy. Very simple. I'm very I'm I'm very impressed, Alicia. You're a very wise woman, I'm noticing. Yes. Yeah, okay. Let's jump into question number three. Rudy, the question is in what country did the apparitions of Fatima occur? In what country? Okay, that is a, a really interesting detail. Okay. Okay. One of the things that people kind of miss it's in between the lines there right okay why did it happen at this particular place okay well it was in saudi arabia in mecca oh. because that's where muhammad is from oh. and his daughter in order for her to reach the muhammadans uh -huh. she appeared there because oh, wow. his daughter his name is fatima right okay okay so you're saying in saudi arabia saudi arabia okay in mecca that makes sense okay because Muhammad's daughter was Fatima, and mm -hmm. Our Lady's name was Our Lady of Fatima. That, that It all checks out. All right, Tito, same question to you. In what country did the apparitions of Fatima occur? They occurred in Portugal. There is a parallel here between my answer and Rudy's. 
But my answer involves it sure. happened in Portugal because it's in Fatima, Portugal. Okay. Well, there you go. There you go. All righty, Alicia. The question is, when what country did the apparitions of Fatima occur? Tito seems to think that it's in Portugal, whereas Rudy seems to think it's in Saudi Arabia. Alicia, what say you? 15 seconds on the clock. I'm going to go with Tito. You're going to go with Tito. Way to go. Nice. Praise be to God. Can't trick her at all. No, she's she's she, so wise. She knew that. Sage. I didn't even need to ask you to. Alicia knew that ahead of time. What but not today. Say that again? I said Tito's supposed to be the tricky one, but not today. Not today, <laughs> not today, yes. He, I've noticed this. Tito is the tricky one, but but today he was actually not the tricky one. Mm. I'm, I'm very impressed. Way to go, Tito. Thank you. Yes, and the in though Rudy was partially correct though. Uh, that is one of the reasons. Muhammad's daughter was, in fact, Fatima. And the reason why Fatima, Portugal is named Fatima, Portugal, is actually after a Muslim princess who the prince of uh, Portugal married and decided to name it uh, Fatima. Don't worry, she converted. She became Catholic. Good. And, uh, and that's how they ended up having that. And Our Lady Fatima is one who will uh, convert the Muslims, or at least some people think that. Some people think that. So there is actually a connection there with Muhammad. Very interesting, man. Fun that, facts. Okay. I believe it's Sheen that said that. Yes, yes. The Fulton Sheen does give a a great talk. Uh, check that out. Fulton Sheen. Uh, look up Fulton Sheen and Fatima. He talks about that. It's an excellent uh, presentation he gives. Uh, but Alicia, thank you for joining us today. You did wonderful. Praise be to God. Thanks be to God. Absolutely. All right, Alicia, we're going to put you on hold. And when we do, we're going to come and get your contact information. So make sure you stay on the line. Don't go anywhere so we can get your contact information. Should you be the winner tomorrow, we're going to be sending you the prize. But that's going to do it for today's show. You can join us back tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And we're going to be talking about two really interesting things tomorrow. One is the pilgrimage going on in Texas, Port Arthur, Texas. And we're going to be talking about Fulton Sheen and the third word of Jesus on the cross. So you're going to want to tune in for that. But that'll do it. If you can join us in the after show, make sure you tune in. Hop on one of our social media streams, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey. Just look up Catholic Drive Time and hop on our live stream there. If you comment, we will interact with you directly. We're already getting a ton of really great comments that I'm excited to talk about. But... If not, we'll see you back 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Thursday of the first week of Lent. Let all mortal flesh keep silence and with fear and trembling stand. 
Ponder nothing earthly-minded, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our God to earth descendeth. Our full homage to demand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Kyrie eleison Christ eleison Kyrie eleison Let us pray. Bestow on us, we pray, O Lord, a spirit of always pondering on what is right and of hastening to carry it out. And since without you we cannot exist, may we be enabled to live according to your will. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the book of Esther. Queen Esther, seized with mortal anguish, had recourse to the Lord. She lay prostrate upon the ground, together with her handmaids, from morning until evening, and said, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, blessed are you. Help me, who am alone and have no help but you, for I am taking my life in my hand. As a child, I used to hear from the books of my forefathers that you, O Lord, always free those who are pleasing to you. Now help me, who am alone, and have no one but you, O Lord my God. And now come to help me, an orphan. Put in my mouth persuasive words in the presence of the lion, and turn his heart to hatred for our enemy, so that he and those who are in league with him may perish. Save us from the hand of our enemies, turn our mourning into gladness, and our sorrows into wholeness. The word of the Lord. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart, for you have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels, I will sing your praise. I will worship at your holy temple and give thanks to your name. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. 
because of your kindness and your truth, for you have made great above all things your name and your promise. When I called, you answered me. You built up strength within me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Your right hand saves me. The Lord will complete what he has done for me. Your kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the work of your hands. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. A clean heart create for me, O God. Give me back the joy of your salvation. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which one of you would hand his son a stone when he asked for a loaf of bread? Or a snake when he asked for a fish? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? Do to others whatever you would have them do to you. This is the Law and the Prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. morning's gospel, we hear Jesus speaking to us about the importance and imperative of prayer, that we are to plead before our Heavenly Father, knock at the door so that it can be opened, and to ask that we can receive good things, having confidence all the while that everything our Heavenly Father wants to give us is even greater than what we can imagine. And just as a father wants to give good things to his human son here on this earth, so too God our Father has great things in store for those who come to him and ask for him. Those when we ask the question, what is it that we should ask God for? We have to be cautious a little bit sometimes that we don't fall into a sort of prosperity gospel. That when we knock on the door of the Lord, that the things that we want are always things that would make us feel prosperous in this world. Give me perfect health, give me a great job, give me a new car, give me a nice shiny house. I'm exaggerating a little bit as I go along there, but oftentimes it can happen that our petitions can be clouded with our own self-interest. And we can forget that sometimes the greatest gifts in life are precisely those ones that we don't want. Sometimes the gift of suffering is what leads us to our knees and draws us even closer to the Lord. In other words, sometimes we can be the ones who are asking God for the snake instead of asking him for a fish or asking for a stone instead of asking for bread. Kind of reminds me of an old saying that goes, for every 99 people who can handle adversity, there's only one who can handle prosperity. 
That means sometimes in life when things are going too well for us, it's precisely in that moment when we are prospering from an earthly perspective that we can drift from God and we can begin to think of ourselves as being self-sufficient, autonomous, and no longer desperate for God's help. So what are the things that we should ask for? Well, a very good starting place is to ask God and to plead with God to free us from the evil that surrounds us in this world. That is really the prayer and the plea of Esther from the first reading today. There was an insidious plot to exterminate all the Jews in the Persian kingdom, and Queen Esther, who herself was a Jew, is pleading before God that they would be saved from this heinous plan. We too live in a world where there is much evil around us, and so we ought to beg God to free us from it. The second good thing to pray for is that we would be not falling into temptation. On a personal level, each of us has temptations in life. We have the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil that we are called to reject and to resist. And in order to do this, we need God's help. We need God's grace. Thirdly, it is a very good thing to pray that our souls would be fed with a heavenly food that our minds would be receiving the Word of God and that our souls would be receiving Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, that he would be our spiritual sustenance and our daily bread that would give us the grace to be able to live well in our life. Next, we might ask God that we would live in a holy environment, that our family would be a holy place, that our community would be a holy place, where God's name would be hallowed, where God's name would be revered. In other words, a healthy atmosphere where we can grow in the things of God. We should also ask God for the help to be able to forgive. We know this is an imperative of the Christian life to be able to forgive as Jesus has forgiven us. And sometimes forgiveness can be difficult and we need God's help to be able to expand and widen our hearts to be able to forgive others. We could also ask God for the grace that we would live in his presence. We would always strive to live in a way that is consonant with God's will and that we would strive every day of our life to live in his will. And finally, we can say quite simply, God, give us the grace, please, to live as your children because you are our Father our destiny is in heaven, and we desire to live in the reality that we are your beloved sons and daughters. Those would be eight marvelous things to pray for, and in case you haven't noticed, they weren't things that I made up. It was just really the Our Father petitions made up in reverse. Jesus gives us the perfect things to pray for. He tells us the bread and the fish that we are to pray for, and sometimes we may get confused and ask for stones and snakes, but our Heavenly Father knows what we need. We are called to dispose ourselves before him, to beg for his help, to lead us toward salvation, and to lead us to communion with the Most Holy Trinity. Amen. We should pour forth prayers at all times, dear brothers and sisters. But above all, in these days of Lent, we ought to watch more intently with Christ and direct our petitions more fervently to God. 
for the whole Christian people that in this sacred time they may be more abundantly nourished by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let us pray to the Lord. For the whole world that in lasting tranquility and peace our days may truly become the acceptable time of grace and salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. For sinners and the neglectful that in this time of reconciliation they may return to Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves, that God may at last stir up in our hearts aversion for our sins. Let us pray to the Lord. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that your people may turn to you with all their heart, so that whatever they dare to ask in fitting prayer, they may receive by your mercy through Christ our Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and he is righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. Be merciful, O Lord, to those who approach you in supplication, and accepting the oblations and prayers of your people, Turn the hearts of us all towards you, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord, for by your gracious gift each year, your faithful await the sacred Paschal Feast with the joy of minds made pure so that more eagerly intent on prayer and on the works of charity and participating in the mysteries by which they have been reborn, they may be led to the fullness of grace that you bestow on your sons and daughters. And so with angels and archangels, 
with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Plenis Uncelli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in you are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, 
the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, cui tolis peccatamundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion at this time. My Jesus, 
I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Adoro te devoro te latens de gitas, que sub his figurotis vede latitas. Tibi sege cor megum totum subicit, qui a te contemplans totum deficit. Visus tactus cucustus in te falitur, sed auditus solo tuto creditur. Credo qui quid digixit degi filigur, Nil hoc verbo veri tatis verigus. In cruce la tegebat sola degitas. Ad hic latet sigimul et humanitas. Ambotamen cregedens Adque confitens, peto quod petigivit latro penitens. Let us pray. We pray, O Lord our God, that as you have given these most sacred mysteries to be the safeguard of our salvation, so you may make them a healing remedy for us, both now and in time to come, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May the mercy they have hoped for, O Lord, come to those who make supplication to you. And may the riches of heaven be given them, that they may know what it is right to ask and receive what they have sought, through Christ our Lord. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. At the cross her station keeping Stood the mournful mother weeping Close to Jesus to the last. Through her heart his sorrow sharing, All his bitter anguish bearing. Now at length the sword has passed. Oh, that blessed one grief-laden, Blessed mother, Thank you. 
the prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father Nicholas Devine from Holy Name.